This week's parsha is Parsha Shmini, and we're going to discuss something on the parsha, and then we're going to speak um, a few divrei uh, zikaron um, for Maron Reb Chaim Kanievsky. So, the parsha contains, as we know, the laws of Kashrus, Parsha Shmini. And in Parak Yud Aleph Pasuk Beis, it says, Dabru al Bnei Yisrael Lemar, Zais Hachaya Asher Teichlu. This is the animal, this is the, these are the creatures that you may eat from among the animals that are upon the earth. So the Lashen Zais, whenever it says Lashen Zais, we know it means that you're Meira Be'etzba, that you actually are able to point to something with your finger, like Zekheli Ve'anveyu, Chazal teach us that, that everybody actually were able to see Kaviyachal Alayam, they were able to see the Shechina. Because when you say Lashen of Zeh, or Zais, it's always a reference to pointing uh, with your finger to be able to see something palpably. So Rashi understanding that, says to us, the fact that it says, that Meish Rabbeinu is saying, and this is the animal, these are the creatures that you may eat, and these are the creatures that you may not eat, that teaches us something. He held that particular chaya, whatever he was talking about, whatever animal, whatever creature he was talking about, he actually held it, and he showed it to Klal Yisrael and said, Zeis teichelu v'zeis teichelu. This you may eat, and this you may not eat. And Rashi continues, Af min Whatever it was, whatever type of animal or creature or uh, fish or bird that the Torah is going to speak about in this parsha, it wasn't just that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, you know, and you can eat this and you can eat that, but he actually had the animal or the creepy crawler, or the fish, or the bird, in his hand, millions of them apparently, and he was able to show and demonstrate to Klai Yisrael exactly which ones you may eat, and which ones you may not eat. All of these... Uh, different types of creatures that are mentioned in the parsha. it wasn't just a list that Moshe Rabbeinu gave, it was an actual physical demonstration of as many creatures as there are in the, you know, in the parsha, and as many creatures maybe as there are in the world, Moshe Rabbeinu had them and showed them to Klal Yisrael one by one. And I saw in a Sefer, Lekach Das, from Rav Ozban, he points out something that's quite fascinating that I don't know if uh, anyone else really picked up on. He says, like, think about the nace of what's going on here according to Rashi. You know, it's one thing if Meish Rabbeinu was speaking, let's say, uh, from the Bronx Zoo, and he goes and he takes, uh, he's taking Klaus on a class trip, and there you have thousands of animals, let's say, and fish and things like that, and he's able to go and just take a walk around the Bronx Zoo and see and show uh, every single animal, at least that's there. There's probably you know, millions of animals that are not in the Bronx Zoo, but let's say he was in the Bronx Zoo, that would be sort of a little bit more understandable. But Meshra Beno was 
in the middle of a midbar. He was in the middle of a desert, and here he was somehow, some way able to have all of these animals and fish and uh, wildlife actually come to him so that he could show Klai Yisrael what's kosher, what's not kosher. That means the, there might have been polar bears that came from the, uh, you know, came from the Arctic uh, Circle. There might have been penguins that came from who knows where. There might have been tigers and lions and bears and, and all types of fish. How did Meshach Rabbeinu get a hold of a dolphin or, in a, or, a, or a guppy or a goldfish in the middle of a midbar? But yet apparently he did. This is what Chazal are telling us. Chazal is saying, Meshach Rabbeinu was actually able to point to every single animal and tell them, Yisrael, this you can eat and this you can eat. That's a tremendous miracle. That's, a, that's an evident miracle. To be able to be in the middle of a midbar and to produce even one thing would be miraculous. One non, uh, um, you know, a, a, a creature that's not uh, that that's not naturally there uh, would be amazing. But to have to have thousands and millions of creatures all of a sudden like come to you in the middle of a midbar just to show Klal Yisrael dinim of of kashrus, that's 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 a great that's one of the greatest miracles ever. And yet that's what Meshach Rabbeinu is able to do. That's what he says. So what I wanted to add to this, Vart, is that you find in history that there are Yechidim that were also able to do similar things as Meshach Rabbeinu. It's a great feat for Meshach Rabbeinu, but don't think that it was a one-time thing since Meshach Rabbeinu. In the Haggai's Maimani, which the Beis Yosef brings in Yeridea, Simon Pei Beis, so the Haggai's Maimani says that when the Ri, one of the Balitaisis that we learn all the time, the Ri, that Balitaisis, when he learned the Simone Eifes, when he was learning the Halachas in Shulchan Aruch, um, when, there was no Shulchan Aruch at the time, but he was learning the Simonim of Eifes as his own limud of Halacha, so, zimnu miraculously, in Shamayim it was prepared for him, l'sholchan beis hamedrash, es oisai sug oif she'asak Whatever animal he was busy with, whatever type of, of bird that the Ri, the Baltaisus by the name of the Ri, was busy with, if he was busy with, uh, with a chicken, if he was busy with, uh, with a turkey, if he was busy with, uh, uh, with a stork, with a penguin, whatever type of bird it was that he was talking and learning, he was thinking about, suddenly that bird was able to like fly into, onto his table in the base medrash, and he was able to examine it and look at it and figure out the simonim. That was a miracle in the time of the Rishinim that existed, and, uh, and, and the Beis brings it as an incredible thing that you see how the Taira is able to be shaylit on the Bria. That the world as we know it is really kafuf to the Taira. We know that going back to the beginning of the world, Bereshus Baralekim, Bereshus is Bishvil Taira, Shnikarashis. And we learn about this in Yeshiva, you know, how the whole world is for the Taira and everything that happens is for the Taira and for Klal Yisrael. But, you know, how often do we actually see it, Lemaisa, how the world 
and all the inhabitants of the world, all the creatures of the world, are mamish zokok to the Tyra. When do you find that? So we find by Meshur Rabbeinu in the parasha, Zais HaChaya. We find by the Ri, one of the Balaitaisis, the Ri was able to summon birds that had no shaykhahs. They were not, uh, you know, they, they were not from that part of the world, but yet they were able, they might have been from America. The Ri was uh, sitting in, in Europe somewhere, and, and from America comes a turkey and, and flies into the room on the table of the base medrash where the Ri was sitting and learning. And there might have been, you know, also other, other birds from all over the world that came to the table of the, in the base medrash of the Ri, and in order for him to see what it is, Kadesha Yuchla Lubaitkai, so that he could examine it, to learn the dinam of the simonim. That's what the Beisaisa says happened. We see a clear manifestation of how all the creatures of the world understand that there is a Tyra, understand that there is a need um, to teach Tyra, to learn Tyra, and they made themselves available to this great Rishain in order that he should understand it better, just like they did in the times of Meshur Abenu. We see a clear, evident proof from these, these cases that, that the Tyra really is the reason for the world, and the whole world surrounds around the Tyra, circles the Tyra, and bows to the Tyra, bends to the Tyra, to the degree that wherever the birds were, or wherever all these animals were in the Midbar, they came to Meshur Abena. Why? So that he's able to teach Tyra to Klai Yisrael. An amazing thing. Now let me ask you a question. If let's say I told you that that wasn't just a phenomenon that happened in the time of Meshur Abena, that we understand. Meshur Abena was the, uh, was the, the Avi HaNeviyim. Meshur Abena was the Rabbin Shal Yisrael. Rabbin of, of all of Klal Yisrael forever. Tyrus Meshur. That we understand. So Meshur Abena had a very big kayach to be able to inspire all the creatures of the world to be zakuk to him. The Ri was one of the Balitaisis. Balitaisis, we understand. Balitaisis are all the Rishainim. Rishainim are, uh, are, 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 you know, they're, 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 they're superpowers. They were able, the smallest of the Balitaisis was greater than we could ever fathom. The smallest of the Rishainim. If you were one of the Rishainim, you know, you were, you were in worlds that we can never really imagine. So that also we sort of could believe. We sort of can, if we understand this, we could, we could be okay with it. Let's say I told you that these stories that I'm telling you about Meshur Abenu and about the Ri, the Baltasis, actually happened to a man that lived in our time. When we were able, we're learning in, in Yavamas uh, this morning, today's daf, about an Eishas Achiv Shleihaya Bailamai. You know, you have to, in order to be uh, able to do the mitzvah of Yibam, you have to, the, the brother who dies and the brother who wants to do Yibam have to be alive in the same world. If he was born after his brother died, then there's no mitzvah of Yibam. That's called Eishas Achiv Shleihaya Bailamai. Let's say I told you that you and I were in the same world with a person that was able to do this, to be able to summon creatures to his table, to his world, in order for him to learn Tyra, you would say, come on, that's not possible. You're, we're, we're living in the year 2022. 
These are things that happened in the time of Meshe Rabbeinu. These are things that happened during the times of maybe of the Rishayinim. But since then, it's impossible. No, no animal is coming to any human being anymore and uh, to show its simanim in order for that human being to study it and to, and to understand it and to teach it. But if you don't know, I'm talking about an individual that was living in our times, that was completely didn't belong in our times. He belonged in maybe hundreds of years ago, and he would have been a gadol then. But for some reason, the Rabbanu Shalom blessed us in our generation with having that individual, and that was the Saratayra, Maron of Chaim Kanievsky, and the story goes, and it's been told many times, and if you haven't heard it yet, then you're hearing it here for the first time, that Reb Chaim, and if you don't believe the story, there are videos that are circulating in which Reb Chaim himself says that it happened. So it's not even some conjecture that, you know, some, this is what happened, okay? And there's certain different gear size, but I'm going to give you sort of the way I'm, uh, I'm going to incorporate all the Gertzlites and tell you the way I think it happened. Reb Chaim was writing a sefer as, he, as he, he wrote many svarim. One of the svarim that he wrote, it's a kuntras, it's called Karne Chagavim. And it involves the kashras of grasshoppers. There are simonim that grasshoppers have and they, they determine the kashras. We know that Achenu uh, Bnei Svarad uh, many of them, uh, you know, have a messiah for grasshoppers, and they some of them eat grasshoppers. We can't because we don't have a messiah, but there is a messiah on certain grasshoppers that you're allowed to eat them. So Reb Chaim wrote a whole contrast on this. While he was writing this contrast, he was he needed to see a grasshopper. He wanted to see a grasshopper because uh, in order to really fully understand the mitzvahs of a certain type of grasshopper that uh, was not indigenous to Bnei Brak, he needed to see a grasshopper. And he asked one of his daughters if she can go to the local library and, and find a book on it. And his daughter came back that there's no books available in the library uh, on, on the topic and, uh, you know, and, and she couldn't do that. Anyway, he was sitting by his, by his Gemara and he was learning and he was thinking about this. And he was sitting by an open window. And all of a sudden, this grasshopper that he needed to see, this particular grasshopper who maybe came from the Amazon jungle, uh, all of a sudden jumps through the window and lands on his Gemara. From who knows where? I mean, you know, I don't know where this grasshopper came from. But wherever it came from, it was the exact grasshopper that Reb Chaim needed to study, to examine. And, and it, stood, it, it sat on his Gemara, and he was able to look at it and see the simanim, the wings, or the hind legs, or whatever it was that he needed to see. And then the grasshopper, as soon as Reb Chaim was done with it, flew out of the window just as fast as it came in. And then Reb Chaim, you know, a few minutes later decided that he needed to see something else. He missed one of the simanim that he really wanted to see. And then the grasshopper jumped back in again onto his Gemara. And then he examined it, and it went out. Now, Reb Chaim told this to his father, the stipler. And 
that Shabbos, Reb Chaim happened to have finished this Sefer of Ka- on Kanei Chagavim, and the stipler made him, after davening, a surprise Kiddush. And it was presumably just for the fact that he was Messiah the Sefer, Kanei Chagavim, this Kuntras. But at the Kiddush, the stipler said, it was Mepharsim, the story. And he says that it's not just because he was Messiah this, but he told over the story that his son was Zeicha to having a nace like this happen to him, which is a remarkable thing. And for that, he's making Kiddush. Had the stipler not been Mepharsim in himself, we probably would never know about this story. When they told Rebel Yashiv, Reb Chaim Kanievsky's father-in-law, about this story, he said this is something that only a Rishin could have. Meaning he, he, was in, he found it incredible that his son-in-law was Zeicha to have a nace that a Rishin had. Which Rishin? He's referring to this Beis Yosef that, that brings about the Rebaltesis that um, he had this miracle with the birds coming to his table. This is something that was very, very incredible to even Rebbe Yashiv. And for that reason, um, the stipler made this kiddush for him. Just as a, uh, a PS to this story, there's a few PSs to this story. One PS is that a, a few months later, you know, this story became legendary. It was spreading all over, all over Israel. And there was like a, a from professor some sort that was uh, giving a class or a shear of some sort and he, uh, and he said about, you know, about not believing every story that you hear and, and he summoned this story as a proof. He says, yeah, they're saying about Chaim Kanievsky that a grasshopper, not indigenous to Bnei Brak, jumped on his Gemara just when he was thinking about the semen, semen of that grasshopper. He says, you know, don't believe everything that you hear. You know, take it with a grain of salt type of comment. This professor went home later that day and he found his entire home was infested by grasshoppers. Mamish from top to bottom. The grasshoppers are not a common thing. How often do we see grasshoppers in cities? Not so often, right? But his entire house and wherever he lived was infested with grasshoppers. And, you know, you don't have to be, have Das Taira to, to connect the dots and to see that there might be a connection between what he said about Reb Chaim and the infestation of grasshoppers in his house. So somebody said to him, you know, if you want to get rid of them, you could either call an exterminator or you can go to Reb Chaim and ask him mechila. So I think first he tried to call an exterminator, but that didn't work. And then he went to Reb Chaim and he asked mechila. Reb Chaim smiled. He says, it's okay, I'm Michael you, it's, uh, it's fine. And then he went back home and all the grasshoppers were gone. And this is a man that lived in our times. This is, I'm not talking about even the G'dayle, you know, Achreinim. I'm talking about Arisha. I'm not talking about Meshrabein. I'm talking about somebody that was Nifter um, last week. And it was a week ago today that he was Nifter, right? And, and, um, and that was uh, just to give one glimpse of a million and you'll read, you know, if you want, you can go to the newsstand today and you can get uh, magazines, the from magazines, the from newspapers, and they're wall-to-wall stories of Chaim Kanievsky. Miracles that happened to him and, and, and lessons that are gleaned from him. And, 
And the greatest lesson that we can glean from him, is, of course, his Hasmada and Tyro. He was really just a safer Tyro. One of the magazines had a beautiful cover picture of him, and, all, and it says, a safer Tyro on loan. That was the title of the magazine. He was a safer Tyro. HaKadosh Baruch Hu lent him to us for 94 years, so we could see what it means to be a Talmud Chacham, to have Amelos Batayra, to have Asmada, to have Kedusha, to have Yerushamayim, to do everything right, to do every mitzvah, kihidura. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him to us, and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu took him away at a certain time, which is a, also an incredible thing. I never thought in a million years that Rebchaim was going to be Nifter. I, I, ne- I just never, I never put those two concepts together, that Rebchaim and death, I did not, maybe that sounds like fear what I'm saying, but like I didn't believe that, I, I for sure thought that he was going to, you know, take us to greet Mashiach. It was, it was a Dover Pashat. Never thought anything else. It, it couldn't be. Who else is going to, you know, who else besides Reb Chaim is going to take us to greet Mashiach? But obviously the Rabbi Nishalem had other plans. One other piece of the story is that when they were doing construction on Reb Chaim's house, so they, I don't know, they were connecting his apartment with maybe his son's apartment, and in the plans was to knock down a certain wall. And on Shabbos, Reb Chaim like woke up in the middle of the night on Shabbos night um, and, and said, wait a minute, I can't knock down that wall because that's the wall through which the grasshopper flew. I mean, Reb Chaim was mocked that this was a tremendous nace. And he said that just like the chidah, the chidah we know had a certain miracle uh, happen to him, on a staircase by his, by his base medrash. We don't have time to get into what the exact story was, but it was a tremendous miracle that the Chidah saw and everybody knew that it was a miracle. And as a result of that, he had the entire staircase gold-plated, plated in gold, so that everybody should know for all times that, you know, that a miracle, an, an evident miracle, a nes nigla occurred here. And you don't destroy a place that a nes nigla happened. Reb Chaim says, I can't knock down that particular wall because that's where a miracle happened to me. And so he made sure that that wall stayed intact. I, I heard that until the war, that gold staircase by the Chidah city, I think in Italy, was still intact. During, and then the Nazis came in and uh, or the, it got destroyed somehow. But that was uh, another, another addendum to that great story about Reb Chaim. So we see that in our times, there was a man that was literally performing miracles, Me'ain Meish Rabbeinu. Meish Rabbeinu had this miracle of the Chayas coming to him, and, and we find that Reb Chaim Kanievsky in our time had a similar miracle happen to him. And I wanted to say that this is Reb Chaim L'shitasai. There's a sefer that I am, you know, enamored by. It's called Derech Sicha. Uh, and it's basically things that Reb Chaim said on, on, on Parsha Sashavua. And he learned with a Chavrusa. He had a brilliant Chavrusa. He still has, I think, one of the Maspidim uh, over this week was uh, Rav Elio Man. And, and he wrote the sefer. And what the sefer is, it's not like Reb Chaim's own personal tire that he wrote. That's the sefer time in the Kra. This is a sefer that basically this Rebbe Leo Man just took like ideas on the parsha 
It might be a vart from, uh, from the Briskorov. It might be a vart from Vienus and Ibeshitz. Something like a vart or an idea or a question. And he would like basically tell it to Reb Chaim and see how he reacts to it. A vart, a, a quote, a, 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 something just to see the das fire on it. Like, do you agree with it? Sometimes Reb Chaim says, yes, it's true. Sometimes he'll, most of the time he'll say it's not true and he'll, he'll give his reason or why it's not mochroch. But it's a fascinating read because you basically see Reb Chaim's you know, pure eyes of Taira and how he cuts through everything, la'alocha, and he'll, he'll be able to marshal any source and any medrash around Kala Taira Kula to prove his point or to argue the point, whatever it is. But it's an amazing thing to see the brilliance of Reb Chaim through this Maso Matan with his Chavrusa, with his Rebbe Yoman. So in this Sefer, he tells Reb Chaim one of my favorite quotes, and it's in Great Jewish Wisdom. Um, the quote is like this, it's from Reb Zisha Me'anapoli. Reb Zisha Me'anapoli is one of the Hasidic masters, one of the legendary Hasidic leaders. He was a man that was known for his abject poverty and how everything was Gamzu Lataiva, called Avrahman Latava, he never complained, always was happy with his lot, even though he lived in like in a miserable, miserable, uh, grinding poverty. And Rabzisha is quoted famously as saying once the following. He says, I'm not afraid that when I get to heaven, when I die and I go to Shamayim, they're gonna ask me, Why were you not Maishrabenu? Because I'll be able to answer quite simply, I, I wasn't Meishu because I wasn't Meishu Rabbeinu. Meishu Rabbeinu was Meishu Rabbeinu, and I'm me. And I'm not afraid that they're going to ask me, why weren't you Davin HaMelech? Because I'm not Davin HaMelech. I'm very comfortable answering that I wasn't Davin HaMelech. There's no expectation for me to be Davin HaMelech. What I am afraid of is when they ask me, why weren't you Zisha? Okay, you're Zisha Manipoli. Why weren't you Zisha? Meaning, why didn't you fulfill your personal potential? And then, what am I going to say? How am I going to answer that? What, what am I going to say to that? That I can't answer. I can answer comfortably why I wasn't Misha, why I wasn't David, but I can't answer easily why I wasn't Zisha, why I didn't actualize who I could have been. That's the quote from Zisha Manipoli, very famous quote. So they threw this quote at, at Reb Chaim just to you know, see how he feels it. Does he think that that's a good answer? Is that true what he said? So Reb Chaim says, it's a beautiful vart, very, you know, it's inspirational, but it's not, it's not Emes. He says, why is it not Emes? He says, because he's going against the Rambam. The Rambam writes that kol ish, every man could be a, a tzaddik like Misha. Rambam says that black and white. Every man could be a tzaddik like Misha. You see from the Rambam, says Reb Chaim, that they will have a taina on us in Shemayim. Why weren't you Maisha Rabbeinu? Because I could have been Maisha. The Rambam says that I could be Maisha. That means that he's passing la'alacha that I could be Maisha Rabbeinu. I can't settle for, you know, uh, uh, you know, just say, well, I couldn't be Maisha. You could be Maisha. Obviously, you could. Now, truth be told, there are other ways of teaching this Rambam. Rebuchan Wasserman, I think uh, Ramesha Feinstein and others, uh, they teach the Rambam as not meaning Kipshutai that I could be Maish Rabbeinu. I can't be Maish Rabbeinu. I can't. 
I live in a dar smartphones and internet and uh, and shmutz and all types of nisyanis and all types of and I was brought up in a certain way. I'm supposed to be Meshur Rabbeinu. I'm supposed to be the Rabbin Shal Yisrael. I'm supposed to be the Avi Hanaviim. It's not Shaykh for me to be Meshur Rabbeinu. Come on. So what does the Rambam mean? The Rambam doesn't mean that I can mamish be Meshur. It means that just like Meshur Rabbeinu was able to maximize his personal potential, Meshur Rabbeinu's potential was immense and and he came very close. Chazal say Matmelikim. He was like he came almost this close to to mamish fulfilling his full potential, but he didn't. But he came. He mamish hit the ninety nine point nine percent mark. He wasn't able to, for to because who can really maximize everything? But he he was able to fulfill kimat, if not all of his potential. So we also have our personal potential that we can maximize. We know that there are studies that you know a human being only uses a very few, like single-digit percentages of his actual potential for his brain. Right? We know that our brain is really super powerful. It's like a it's like a supercomputer, and we use it as if it was like a tricycle. We use it as if it was like a calculator. We don't know what you know what our brain is capable of. You know, the muscle you see like by little kids that grow up in Antwerp, in Belgium, they're able to learn. Seven languages. I have friends that from Belgium. It's not even a big deal. And we have guys in yeshiva that were regular guys, but they come. They were born in Europe in these countries, and they're able to know. They're able to know Hebrew fluently and English fluently, and uh, and Flemish and uh, and French and and uh, uh, whatever German and you know they they know all these languages. Every kid. Are they geniuses? Like if I would tell you that I just learned, you would think I'm a genius. Are these kids all geniuses? No. It's just that when they're young, they were able to, their brain was very absorb, absorbent, and they're able to absorb tremendous. That means the brain, the human brain, has a capacity to learn seven languages and to be able to use them each in their appropriate times. If I'm talking to you in French, I'll be able to speak French fluently. If I'm talking to you in English, we could fl- switch to English, Yiddish, uh, Spanish, whatever you want. But the brain is tremendous. The brain has the ability to store knowledge like we can't even imagine. What's the shot? Why are we not able to store that much knowledge? Because we're not trying. We don't use our brain to do it. We do use our brain to remember shlusim. Like if you ask me any, uh, any, you know, if I was like a, one of these kids that are into baseball cards and baseball stats, you'd be able to ask me any baseball player in the last 80 years. I'll be able to tell you what their RBI was and what their, uh, you know, what, how, many, how many games they played in and what season and what teams they played for because I'm using my mind for things that I'm interested in. If I was able to use my mind for tire, I'd be able to be one of these shaskid and I'd be able to, to know Kala Tire Kula about pets. It's doable. Just we don't use our potential. We use mamish a mashu of our potential. So when Chazal, when the Ramam says that everybody could be like Meish Rabbeinu, Rabbi Hanan says, doesn't mean you, can be my, you can't be Meish Rabbeinu. Let's put that rumor to rest. You can't be Meish Rabbeinu. But potentially, personally, you could use your potential like Meish Rabbeinu fulfilled his potential. You could fulfill your personal potential. Whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you in terms of brain power, in terms of Asimada, in terms of Mitzvah Ben Adam LaMakam, Ben Adam LaChaveray, in terms of Yerushalayim, you each have a, our own personal capabilities, and we're, you know, we're at 3%, we could hit 99%, but we're, we're either lazy or we don't understand our power or whatever, so we don't. But the Ram is telling us that you could be Meish Rabbeinu in your dar. That's how Rebbe Hanan learns that. Rebbe Chaim could have understood Rabzisha's line 
as being that, that I can't be Maishra Rabbeinu, meaning uh, I, I can be Maishra Rabbeinu potentially, but I can't be Maishra Rabbeinu Mamish. But Reb Chaim clearly didn't learn the Rambam that way. The Rab, Reb Chaim is learning the Rambam that, no, I could, I could be Maishra Rabbeinu. I can mamish, I don't have to even, you know, make excuses for the difference in, in, in all the differences that we can conjecture about the difference between Maishra Rabbeinu and us. Reb Chaim is saying, the Rambam is telling you clearly that you could be Maishra Rabbeinu if you try. Meaning Reb Chaim wouldn't have a problem with this quote of Reb Zisha because he just, that's what he meant to Reb Zisha. He said, but they were going to ask me why I wasn't Zisha, meaning why didn't I fulfill my potential? But Reb Chaim is saying, no, no, forget Zisha's potential. You can fulfill Maishra Rabbeinu's potential. And I think you see from this story that I'm telling you about the grasshopper that Reb Chaim Mamish understood that he, in a way, could be Maishra Rabbeinu. I'm not saying that Reb Chaim was Maishra Rabbeinu, but you see that you could literally share like a, a nace, a meifes, in our dar with Maishra Rabbeinu. You could touch Maishra Rabbeinu in this dar. Bezer Ampin, you're able to aspire to be Maishra Rabbeinu. Mamish. Maishra Rabbeinu was able to summon the highest from all over the world to come, and Reb Chaim was able to do the same thing with that grasshopper. There's a, a Gemara in Megillah. The Gemara in Megillah says that Haman, when he drew lots and it fell on Adar, Adar was the month that he saw was going to be the time to destroy Klal Yisrael. And he was happy. He was very happy, Haman, because he knew that Adar was the month that Meshach Rabbeinu died in. But Chazal say, yada, Haman didn't know one thing. Shebe, Shiva ba'adar meis Meshach he didn't realize that on the seventh of Adar is when Meshach Rabbeinu died, but it was also the day that Meshach Rabbeinu was born. Meshach Rabbeinu was born on Zion Adar. And so that's what he missed. Haman just knew the day of his death, but he didn't know that he was actually born on that day. And the Mepharshim asked, what does that mean? I mean, if he knew so much about Meshach Rabbeinu's life that he, was, he, was, he died on Zion Adar. Chayri should have been able to know that he was born on Zion Adar also. And furthermore, why does the Gemara say that he didn't know that B'Shiva B'Adar Meis Meisha or B'Shiva B'Adar Neilad Meisha? It should have said first that on the seventh day of Adar he was born and on the seventh day of Adar he died. And what I saw once in one of the Mepharshim is a beautiful pshat. And the pshat was that Meshach Rabbeinu died on Zion Adar. But the day that he died was, in a sense, also the day that he was born. What does that mean? That Meshach Rabbeinu and it's Tzadik, when it's Tzadik dies, Tzadikim b'misasan kriyam chayim. When it's Tzadik dies, he's able, he's called alive. In what sense? He's not alive, he's dead. But he's able to now be untethered to the world and all of the, uh, the laws of physics, the laws of nature, now he's able to soar in Shamayim to do a lot for Klai Yisrael that he wasn't able to in this world because he was bound by certain limitations. And so Haman knew that on Shiva Ba'adar he, was, he died, but he didn't realize that also the day that he died, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing because Meshach Rabbeinu is now born on that day as well. 
Not that he was born when he was a baby, but he was born on the day that he died in the sense that now there's a rebirth of Meish Rabbeinu. He's able to accomplish in Shemaim things that he wasn't necessarily able to do when he was on earth. And I think if there is some nechama that we could take from this tragic patira of Reb Chaim, and I've heard people say, you know, I don't know what everybody's so upset about. He was 94 years old. He's bound to die anyway. Whoever says that doesn't understand what a gadol is, doesn't understand the protective power of a gadol, doesn't understand the kedusha and the, the semel that a gadol gives to every one of our lives. But if there is one silver lining to this terrible cloud that's over our heads, it's the fact that we're hoping that Reb Chaim could go up to the Kisei Kavid and plead with the Rebbeinu Shalom to bring Mashiach. I've told you before that when I was uh, when I brought um, my son to Reb Chaim to get a bracha, my bachar, when we were in Eretz Yisrael for his Anachas Tefillin, we came to him to get a bracha, and uh, Reb Chaim gave us a few precious minutes and he was in a good mood, and uh, we were schmoozing a little bit, and I, I told Reb Chaim that we're Levian. And, um, and he knew that we were there for a bracha for my son, and he looks at my son, and he smiles, and he says to him, he says, do you have a good voice? Do you have a good a, a singing voice? And then he continued, and he gives my son a bracha, that you should be zeicha, to sing shira with the Levian in the Beis HaMikdash which is a priceless bracha. I couldn't, you know, you, money can't buy a bracha like that, that my son should be zeichet to be alive when Mashiach um, comes and that he should have this chus to sing shira in the Beis HaMikdash. It's a beautiful bracha, but I, I had no doubt in my mind when Reb Chaim said this, that, like I said before, that Reb Chaim would be there to greet Mashiach. It was with Dabar Pasha. But he's not. But my only... Nechama is that perhaps even though he wasn't able to bring Mashiach when he was alive in this world, but now on this day of Purim when he died, Shusham Purim, that was the day perhaps that he was born in a, in a new way and all of the Kayach that he had, and we don't know who he was, we really don't. As many articles, as many books will be written, we don't have a mashu of a mashu of a glimpse of who this man is the godless that he had, the Kedusha, the Ruach HaKadosh, and there's so many stories about how Nisim were ubiquitous, like in his house, there's everyday Nisim that were being told about him and, and coming, to, coming to light every minute. We don't know how great he is, we can't give Hespedim. That's why like on Shabbos I was speaking about him a little bit, and I said like, you know, I'm not giving a Hesped for him on Shabbos, and I'll prove it to you, because if I lived 10 million years, I wouldn't be right to give a Hesped for him, and this is not Hesped either, of course. But, we don't know who he was, but one thing we do know is that in Shamayim, when a tzaddik dies, a tzaddik is mechaper for the dar, and a tzaddik is able to accomplish great things in Shamayim after his patira. And Reb Chaim was the person that was always telling people that Mashiach's about to come. Every single thing that happened in recent history, any war that broke out, any event that seemed very frightening, any terrorist act, Ever, any, 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 any tragedy, any piece of news, Reb Chaim immediately said that Mashiach is about to come. He wasn't giving us false hope. It's true, Mashiach is about to come. We just have to be zeichet to it. We have to want it. 
Chaim, I just read last night, you know, he was, he couldn't understand how people in Chutzlaretz live in Chutzlaretz, how they didn't, you know, move to Eretz Yisrael believing that Mashiach is about to come. Like, for him, that was like, how could you not believe that? How can you not live that? Reb Chaim was the one that was ma'eras to do tshuva because Mashiach is about to come, and I believe that Reb Chaim is going to have the kayach to be ma'er the kisya kavit to bring Mashiach. Because if he if he doesn't, then who can? We don't have anyone really that can, I think. So we have to understand that we the aveda that we lost is irreplaceable. We don't understand the kedusha and the tower. We have to thank the Rabbi Islam that he gave us this gadol in our times. You'll be able to tell your children and grandchildren someday that you lived in the same on the same earth as Reb Chaim Kanievsky. They're going to be no, come on, you didn't. No, no, I did. I, I lived in the same world. I was in Eretz Yisrael. This maybe even saw Reb Chaim personally. That's something that, like, you know, it's like saying to somebody, I saw the Vilna Gain. It's like, you did? You know, you saw the Chavetz Chaim. Imagine if you saw somebody, if somebody told you they saw the Chavetz Chaim, you would, like, look at them as, wow. If you were able to see Reb Chaim Kanievsky in, in future days, they'll look at you like that. But it's a chus that we had that we maybe didn't deserve, but we had it. And now that we lost this great Aveda, we have to daven to the Rabbani Shlalem that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should listen to the Pakashas, to the Tza'akas, to the Bechiyas of Reb Chaim in Shamayim, and that he should be able to fulfill finally um, the Ratzon of Hashem and the Ratzon hopefully of Klai Yisrael, that we should be Zeicha, to be Mekal Pnei Mashiach, Tzidkeinu, B'mheir, B'yameinu, Amin, B'amin. Have a good Shabbos.